Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from episode number 294 with Georgie Brunvalls. So Georgie dives into the menstrual cycle, what each phase looks like and how we can optimize performance for girls in each of those phases. But just before we do dive into that, uh, this clip, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're looking for a athlete management system, but you have no budget or very little budget, you can get AMS Lite completely for free, where you can collect and analyze and present data to your coaches. If you want to know more, check out AMS Lite at rockdaisy.com. So you mentioned the phases there, and at Chelsea, they're saying oh, it's, they're in phase one or phase two. Can we dive a little bit deeper into that? I know yeah. I discussed that with Dawn, but I think it's it's great to go over it again and get your you know your take yeah. on it and things. So different phases. Can you talk to us about potential symptoms and how mm-hmm. you do actually put the, the phase into phases? Yeah. So firstly, the phases are derived from hormonal profile, so changes in hormones. <clears throat> and obviously, in an ideal world, you would measure these. You would measure and confirm these hematologically so you'd measure take blood and work out exactly what the hormonal profile is in every single athlete but that is unbelievably expensive unbelievably challenging and also what does it mean because every athlete responds to hormones slightly differently um and every athlete or every woman has different numbers of receptors for different hormones so Basically, the concept and the the way we work is very much to break, keep it as simple as we can based on the research that's out there. So we've broken the menstrual cycle down into four distinct phases. Um, Phase one is when you're menstruating. So not not you, but when one is (laughs) menstruating. (laughs) And that's where hormone levels are really low. So the two primary ovarian hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And what we focus on for the purposes of um, the app. Um, And so hormone levels are are very low for phase one. And then um, when you stop menstruating, you go into phase two, which is um, kind of the second half of the follicular phase. And that's like dominated by increases in estrogen to a point where um, ovulation occurs. And then that's where estrogen like drops down to um, facilitate ovulation. And then um, you jump into the second half of your menstrual cycle, which is called the luteal phase. Um, and that starts with phase three. And that's where um, levels of estrogen and progesterone increase. Um, progesterone has been low throughout the whole of um, phases one and two. So the whole of the um, follicular phase. And then say in phase three it's basically dominated by both uh, estrogen and progesterone people often call that the high hormone phase and then the pre-menstrual window um, is what we call phase four and that's where hormone levels decline so both estrogen and progesterone um, or levels of them decrease right the way down to start phase one again and that's like effectively the process that facilitates the release of the endometrial lining which is the menstrual bleed um and yeah loads of other like kind of uh, hormonal and um biochemical changes are going on throughout that process to kind of facilitate it but essentially that's it in a nutshell um and then if you want me to like delve deeper into what that means from an athlete perspective um okay so obviously every athlete is different and so for our fitter women app um 
anyone, any woman out there is t- designed for any woman, not just athletes, can create their profile they can log symptoms they can see where their next period is due to start um, and they can learn more so they can learn about their physiology based on what they're logging um, and what that means from a nutritional perspective etc so that's our kind of general fitter women app and then you have our elite kind of female athlete program and that's where we work on an individual level with Um, typically elite athletes to really understand their menstrual cycle and their symptoms so we start off by looking at symptoms and different people obviously experience different numbers of symptoms different symptoms at different times but primarily um, in terms of phases phase one would be often where people experience um, a relatively large number of symptoms some people it may be more phase four specific but during phase one we know that's where blood loss is occurring that's where things like menstrual cramps might happen people might feel bloated have headaches um sleep is disturbed etc um but in terms of what's going on and like or how that affects what you should be doing as an athlete or you should be doing with your athletes um so to bring about menstruation as hormones decline, um, there's this increase in release of these hormone-like substances called prostaglandins. Prostaglandins uh, like uh, mediate an inflammatory response. So that is one of the reasons why people experience symptoms. And we know that there's a number of dietary elements that can help to firstly offset menstrual symptoms um, and also can be used to manage that inflammation. Um, So in phase one, I always say, phase four and phase one, to be honest, bring your A game to your diet. That's where you want to be super savvy. Um, You want to make sure that alongside that you're recovering well. Um, So you're using all recovery strategies that you can after any sort of like muscle damaging exercise. Um, We also know that actually exercise is really good as a treatment for menstrual symptoms. Obviously, if you've got debilitating pain, then that's, that's a different conversation. You should definitely see your medical doctor, but we know that exercise is is a good kind of management strategy. So getting out and doing exercise is really important, particularly in the elite athlete space where they need to be able to play and train any time in the menstrual cycle. so yes, I would say that also you want to so bring your A-game to nutrition. Obviously, we know that um, losing blood loses iron. Um, there is a study that demonstrates a slight decrease in hepcidin, which is like a, a molecule that controls your ability to absorb iron towards the end of phase one. Um, so getting iron in specifically at that time is really important. Um, in terms of like, I'm sure we'll come to this, in terms of injury risk, there is some data to suggest that in the first half of the menstrual cycle, risk of certain injury types might be increased. I feel like more research is definitely needed um, around this. But regardless, I would say just be um, proactive in terms of risk management strategies. Um, like I'm more than happy to talk to anyone more on a like specific level about this. But um, yeah, I think research is constantly emerging around this and I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, Where we are now in terms of the research, is there any particular area that yeah. is more susceptible? Yeah, so people say that, um, or some research points to anterior cruciate ligament ruptures being more likely in the first half of the menstrual cycle with some showing an increase just prior to ovulation as estrogen levels peak. Um, and like 
that does make sense in, in a practical or looking at it practically we know that estrogen levels can increase laxity of ligaments so um, there's estrogen receptors around the anterior cruciate ligaments so increased estrogen in the body can increase that like laxity um, we also know so Dr Ellen Casey over in New York has done some really cool research around um, looking at changes in like neuromuscular firing patterns um, and there is again some research to suggest that these might be altered a little bit around that time um, but there's so many other things that need to be looked at like um, you know ankle injuries like muscle pulls and I think um, yeah that's something I'm really really keen to keep delving into I've definitely seen some like preliminary research coming out and um, we do have some preliminary data ourselves uh, looking at injury risk but I think it's definitely one that I, I don't want to jump and make athletes scared because that's the last thing you want to do. you just want to help them be proactive and be prepared um, anyway, I'm really conscious I was supposed to be going on my phase journey. Do you want me to? Oh, no, sorry. Right. Just one more question on okay, phase yeah. one. Yeah, go for it. How long, I know there's probably individual, there will be individual differences, but in terms of time frame, how long we're looking at in that in phase yeah. one? So typically, um, so it's the number of bleed days. Typically, you would see see anywhere from three to seven days. Some people may have a very short bleed. That that would be quite abnormal. Um, and it, it would flag a potential kind of dysregulation to the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis which is the process by which menstruation occurs or the reproductive system occurs um some people may have like eight days but any longer than that again i definitely want to get medical input there um the other thing just to say about phase one is like some people really notice mood disturbances there um typically it would be right at the beginning of phase one um some people do feel that it's almost like a massive relief when they start menstruating so it's very much like um, different people have different perceptions and different feelings, as we said. Um, some athletes can experience changes in coordination, feeling weaker, feeling their performance is affected. But again, like to this date, I haven't come across anyone who we haven't really managed to get a handle on that. So I feel like there are some simple kind of nutritional lifestyle um, recovery ways that those things can be handled. Um, and actually, one point that I always, always need to emphasize is that unless there is an underlying mental dysfunction, I really don't believe that there's any reason why, um, well, I really don't believe, I really believe that there's no reason why an athlete can't perform at their best at any time point in their menstrual cycle as long as they are tracking their menstrual cycle. They're fully aware and proactive around their menstrual cycle. Um, okay. okay. So it's totally to get out. I guess that's a big point. I mean, I was, we spoke about this in the webinar, but I'm guessing that can often be a lead to certain anxiety of when when certain phase is going to fall, if it's going to fall on a match day, and then anxiety goes up, and obviously all the negatives that come with that in terms of performance, in terms of general mental health, 100%. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and and the worst thing is just to like make the issue even worse to exacerbate it like anxiety also can cause the cycle to be dis dysregulated and it can cause more symptoms so it's just like a self-perpetuating nightmare yeah, if you're yeah. not careful yeah so um a lot of again like managing that anxiety is so important and often you know around big competitions that's where you see the increased levels of stress so um that's that's got a massive part to play and i i, I really believe as well in terms of um the education perspective like that's a really important message to communicate to both athletes and support staff to help them 
um, I guess like be proactive and work out ways to manage it in advance. And sometimes it literally is the discussion around it. Like once they've had the discussion, they know what to expect. They're prepared. They're tracking their cycle. They know when their period is likely to fall. Obviously, when you taper, it can alter things. But you also would want it not to alter things because you've got the kind of balancing um, energy availability all set. Mm. Oh, I interrupt again. No, that's okay. No. I'm I'm just really mindful. I'm going off on tangents. No, no, it's great. It's, it's great. Should we, should we move on to phase, phase two, two and symptoms and all that kind yeah. of stuff? Yeah. Okay, so phase two is often where athletes either are just like, oh, I didn't notice anything, or they just feel really good. So um, this is where estrogen is more um, dominant, or estrogen is dominant. And estrogen is typically associated with increased releases, releases of hormones like serotonin and dopamine, so like feel-good hormones. So often people say they've got more energy, um, they feel like they're able to recover better from training. So um, estrogen also ha- like has been shown to have increased uh, oxidative capacity, so it helps to... Um, like helps with muscle recovery effectively so um it is more of an anabolic hormone um and is just generally i guess associated with more positive outcomes um however not everyone feels that um some people some people as i said some people definitely do some people don't um in terms of like other aspects there is some research that suggests that it might be more important to um like carbohydrate load before endurance events at, at this time but other than that like I would say the key thing for me in phase two is all about like if there is a slight increase in injury risk and again that may well be like individual athlete specific just ensuring that you're doing all you can to um warm up warm down getting soft soft tissue treatment but also not being over manipulated so my physio Mark Buckingham is like so on it with the menstrual cycle and I just love to see the fact that he's male he's got so much experience and he he can see it and he always says I would never um manipulate a sacred iliac joint in the middle of the menstrual cycle because that is where ligament laxity in he's seen it is increased and so then that will cause an athlete to over rotate destabilize their back and then that increases risk of certain injuries so um I'm my body is like totally like that as well so that's something which is totally um relevant to me uh too um so that's phase two um and then when estrogen levels peak and just as ovulation occurs some people experience ovulation pain um i've seen a fair few people with flare flare-ups of previous injuries particularly those driven by inflammation again as hormones decline there can be this associated inflammatory response um and this short-term like pain typically around the ovary in the ovary uh, area ovarian area which shouldn't last too long but some people um are much more sensitive to that than others um i've literally got one athlete who gets a flare-up of an ankle injury every single time mid-cycle um yeah it's it's very interesting um and then we move into phase three I love phase three it's so (laughs) it's just it's so interesting and I think data is like really emerging about phase three um so phase three is the high hormone phase um so progesterone kind of enters the mix now there's some really interesting research about progesterone um and like uh, a lot of people are um, 
I feel have an increased sensitivity to progesterone so their mood can be affected they can feel more anxious um in the second half of the menstrual cycle they can feel a little bit more tired um if you think about it progesterone is very much a hormone that's involved in the like pregnancy process so your body effectively is like slightly protecting so if you do have like a, a developing embryo then you might not have quite as much energy like outwardly because your body is like slightly being more protective um this isn't the case for everyone some people uh, like don't notice that much of a difference some people might feel um like even better in the second half of the menstrual cycle but often people do feel that their mood is slightly affected they might feel a bit more irritable um another thing that often i'm increasingly seeing is a delayed or um yeah, like a delayed recovery or increased muscle soreness. Um, and there's some research showing that uh, progesterone has some catabolic properties. So it breaks down amino acids. Um, so that can effectively result in increased like muscle breakdown uh, this time in the menstrual cycle. Um, so I think in terms of protein intake, particularly before training, we know that women often aren't aren't as good at eating protein than men might be like ensuring that you're getting enough in at that time um is very important um also sleep can be disrupted because body temperature is a little bit increased heart rate can be increased a little bit breathing rate can be increased a little bit and particularly if you're asthmatic or you're altitude you might notice that more again different people have different hormonal sensitivities and i think once you start working with an athlete you can really start to see patterns in the data that they're logging which it's just so interesting I love it it's like a puzzle that you're unearthing um anyway so um yeah I think in phase three specifically it's very much about looking at fueling strategies to manage symptoms so looking at if you are experiencing delayed recovery um then how can you like get on top of that but also if you're um are you doing everything you can in terms of recovery strategies too alongside that um also people often start to experience cravings in in phase three um i was working with an athlete last year and i remember sitting down with her and she said to me oh my menstrual cycle like oh I get such bad pain and I was like oh okay well like you know what other symptoms do you get and she was like I just get so annoyed I just get really frustrated um at certain times of my menstrual cycle but she'd never tracked or looked at her cycle before and she just knew that there were times where she was just like irrationally angry um anyway I was like well talk me through your diet and she was just talking me through her diet and I was like oh that doesn't sound too bad to be honest and then then I was like is it like that the whole time she's like oh no when my period is just about to start I do like some chocolate and I was like when you say chocolate what do you mean and she was like oh I eat I eat one of those chocolate bars and I was like mm, chocolate bars and she was like oh that, that those giant bars and oh and two packs of biscuits and I was like oh my gosh but actually like cravings are real and you can like your body so your insulin resistance also changes in in phase three so research has shown and so that means that your like ability to control your blood sugar is slightly altered so your um typically you start craving things that are often sweeter things or carbohydrate dense things so again loads of management around that can be put in place and and can be used really effectively um the other thing is like really working on sleep disruption so we've got a number of like sleep strategies that help in in phase three as well so there's loads of like hands-on ways I'm sure I've missed other things to be aware of in phase three but there's loads of hands-on things you can do to help um 
I guess like dominate phase phase three as I like to put it I, I, I always like to be positive it's not about like surviving any time in the mental cycle it's about like using it being proactive um and then phase four which is the premenstrual phase where hormones decline you have this increase in prostaglandins also people experience changes to their neurobiology so um, there's hormone receptors in the brain um and as hormone levels change then that obviously affects like stimulation to the brain and for some people that can result in real changes to mood again um like in the phase before when hormone levels increase like some people who are sensitive to to those changes can experience mood changes as well but um yeah the the hormonal changes can also affect um like the renin and angiotensin system so like um our ability to control like blood pressure and um like water retention and and things like that so that can affect our bloating um also cause headaches also this increase in inflammation can all, all result in in those um yeah can cause symptoms like that in phase four um and i guess practically speaking again like trying to exercise is really important um and again with this premise that as long as you're managing these i really don't feel this should hold you back but it is important just to think from a recovery standpoint if there is an increase in inflammation which again might tip, tip over into phase one um, just be super mindful of that particularly as a coach like if you do have athletes who do have extreme symptoms then that could be aligned to inflammation so it might take them that much longer to recover um so how can you be proactive to ma to manage that and doing like i don't know if you were a track athlete and your coach was trying to re-simulate a um like heats rounds final scenario obviously you don't want to um avoid mimicking that in the pre-menstrual window because you could be racing whenever but if you were doing that on a regular basis in that phase four window just be mindful that um the athlete might be tired for a few days after just because it's like adding inflammation to the already known levels of inflammation that um exist at that time um so yeah bringing your a-game to nutrition recovery etc is super important um one thing i'm very mindful i haven't really discussed at all is training in the menstrual cycle mm -hmm. exercise That'll training the next, and the next one yeah <laughs> see there is um some research out there looking at um different training modalities and how the human body based on hormonal profile might be able to adapt to them at different times in the menstrual cycle so for example it's better to focus on strength training in the first half of the menstrual cycle there is some research um actually suggesting that um Ross Julian at Münster University actually did, did a study looking at repeated yo-yo sprints and um, adaptation based on menstrual cycle phase and actually found that there was um, like increased adaptation in the follicular phase in the first half of the menstrual cycle. And I would align that to estrogen um, and the like kind of recovery capacity potentially of estrogen however um, and he would openly say this I feel like more research is needed before we as practitioners would ever start changing training and I think um, that also kind of contradicts with the messaging that I always want to be very um, firm in that actually at the end of the day the first thing you want to do is manage symptoms like unless you've managed symptoms there's no point even progressing but also like an athlete can train and perform at any time in their menstrual cycle providing they don't have an underlying dysfunction so 
I think, yes, okay, on an individual athlete basis, every athlete is an individual. Um, and really, you know, understanding your athletes, if you're a coach out there, like that is really important. But I, I think um, it might be on an individual basis, you can see that someone is like, got more energy or typically does recover faster in the first half of the menstrual cycle, then happy days, like do that, just ensure that they are still recovering they're not putting their, their body under undue risk but I just don't think we're at a point of just being totally blanket everyone should do this everyone should do that um particularly because we don't we're not measuring hormones on a on a regular basis and sensitivity to them and numbers of receptors so Thanks for tuning in to Pacey Performance Bite Size with Georgie Bruinvalls. So if you want to check out the full episode, head over to iTunes, Spotify or YouTube and it is episode number 294. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today and I look forward to speaking to you soon.